This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the final TSP episode of season 2020-21. Yes, after eight months of Premier League football and 36 TSP podcasts, we've finally reached the end and a well-deserved rest for all parties. On this pod, we'll be reflecting on Saints' last game of the season, the predictable 3-0 loss versus West Ham. We'll also close off our two FPL leagues and confirm who our TSP patrons have voted as their Saints player of the season and also their Saints goal of the season. And along with getting Steve Glenn and Dan's views on the season as a whole, I'll be asking them which one Saints player stood out for them and why. Was it JWP's energy, Danny's goals, Shea's improvement, KWP's importance or Stuart Armstrong's fabulous hair? We'll find out later on. Speaking of Steve, Glenn and Dan, here they are for the final time. Evening, guys. Evening. 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 Dan, we've just about anyway made it. A, a long old crazy roller coaster of a season. Yeah, it's been a, a very, very, very long, long two seasons, I think. I think Jurgen Klopp summed it up best when he said it feels like two seasons in one really it's been yeah i think yeah just tired now tired is the main kind of the emotion i have it's you know i've been in a very privileged position to be able to go to games and but yeah it's just that, that it's been a long long two seasons and it's, it feels like this winter hasn't gone away every single game that i've been at seems to have been freezing cold uh, and all of that so happy happy it's over disappointed it ended the way it did but yeah, I think everyone's everyone's breathing a sigh of relief that 2021 is over now. <laughs> Glenn, I don't think it's ever been easy to be a, a Saints fan, has it? But this season seems to have pushed every emotion known to man and womankind, I think. Uh, I certainly feel worn out. Uh, yeah, it's. I've been waiting for it to end probably since uh, since about February. 
you know, I just just had enough, really. Uh, I mean, we were never seriously in danger of going down. And I saw some stat that apparently we had enough points at the end of January to have stayed up. So it does seem like the last sort of few months has just just dragged horribly. And um, yeah, it reached a, a fitting conclusion on uh, on Sunday. Um, yeah, I'm just just pleased it's done, pleased it's finished, and uh, we can forget about it for a little bit. Apart from ludicrous, ludicrous transfer rumours, no doubt, and uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, we'll just wait for next season to come around. Yeah, and Steve, how's it compared for you? I mean, uh, I, I was thinking compared to the other three of us, at least you spent parts of it in uh, more sort of tropical climates, and uh, obviously your second team got promoted at the weekend. So yeah, been a, an up and down year for you as well. Yeah, it's been a pretty pretty mad year for me. Um, all things all things considered. Yeah, it's it's kind of been a bit of a grind, hasn't it? Just for everybody just watching games on TV. I mean, as Dan mentioned, obviously he's he's in a in a good a privileged position in many ways. But I can't imagine that um, watching the last three or four months of the season has been um, has felt particularly privileged. More of a punishment, yeah. Yeah, but so obviously I've I've been watching two teams on uh, on TV and on ropey um, internet streams and things like that. And I mean, if you compare, I mean, you can't really compare the broadcast quality of um, Sky and BT from um, Sutton United's in-house uh, broadcaster on um, on a Vimeo feed, um, but yeah, it's it's been it's been a challenge for everybody. Um, I mean, obviously for Sutton they've had a fantastic reward at the end of it, but for Saints I think I think realistically everybody everybody was more than happy to pack up and go home two months ago, weren't they? It's been a trying uh, trying end of the end of the season with probably with the the one exception of that week where we where we beat Palace and Fulham at, at home, where we kind of looked as if we had a little bit of freedom, we were we were enjoying it a little bit more. I mean, obviously helped by Fulham losing that uh, that game to ensure that we we knew that we were mathematically safe, even though, as you say, we were math we were probably realistically safe by January after beating Liverpool. But yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a tough old um, double season, really, hasn't it? And yeah, let's let's all. I was going to say let's all recharge, but of course we got the uh, got the Euros, which nobody's going to be nobody's going to be going massively overboard with at all. <laughs> and just before we move on, Steve, we had a question from uh, one of our patrons, Mark, in uh, yesterday actually. So we're recording on Tuesday just after the season. So he sent this in on Monday. He said, uh, "Question for the pod for Steve: um, Saints draw Sutton in the Carabao Cup first round in August at St Mary's. Do you sit in Block 41, or you're in with uh, Sutton United fans? Where do your uh, true allegiances lie, Steve?" Do I get to sit on the segregation netting? <laughs> no, I'd be in the Saints end. Um, that's that's first first and foremost. But I mean, it would have to be the second round just to be uh, just to be clear, because we Saints get Saints get a bye to the second round, um, and Sutton would have to beat somebody. Not quite sure who, but yes, yeah, I mean that, 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 I mean that that would be that would be incredible. But there's there's obviously the chance that we might that um, the under 23s might be paired in the Papa John's Trophy uh, group stage, because uh, obviously that's regional. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean it's going to be it's going to be mad seeing um, some of the uh, some of the changes that are going to go on at Sutton over the summer. Uh, obviously, the, obviously it's been been mentioned in the press quite a lot that the artificial pitch has got to be dug up and replaced with a grass pitch, which I mean slow slow hand clapped all the dinosaurs in the uh, in the football league for that one. When basically no club's got any money, they're they're forcing clubs to spend money they don't necessarily have on a pitch that's inferior to the one they had. So yeah, well done to everybody for that. There we go. Well, yeah, as you say, it's uh, good to be able to get together for one last time anyway. Um, ahead of kicking things off, just uh, a friendly reminder to all our TSP patrons that our final TSP VIP event will take place on Tuesday the 1st of June at 8pm 
UK time. I've sent the details of the event through to all of you active patrons, but do get in touch if you need them again or have any questions beforehand. Otherwise, the four of us look forward to uh, seeing those of you who can make it and have a, a final hurrah of the season. Right, for one final time, after another season that has seen over 100,000 TSP listens around the world, which we thank you all for so much, underpinned by our incredible patrons, this is TSP 162, the season finale. This is the Total Saints Podcast with Ben Stanfield, Steve Grant, Glenn Delacour, and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. In a season of ups and downs, Saints finished their 2020-21 campaign with yet another down. West Ham cruising to a comfortable 3-0 win at the London Stadium. Dan, in a year, 2021 that is, of bad days at the office for Saints, there was a sense of ugly romanticism in uh, closing things off in similar style. I don't even think they turned up to the office uh, on Sunday. It was it was just, I think, the it epitomised Southampton's 2021, didn't it? In games where we've watched them create several chances, take none of them, the other team create a couple, score, and it's game over there. And then their heads drop, and you, they may as well not come out after the for the second half. It was just a really disappointing. It, how it ended was disappointing because, in fairness, I think that they there had been some good steps made over the past four to five games. I think we could, everyone could start to get a picture of what Ralph was trying to to do, trying to implement where he was looking to go. So for it to end the the way it did was just it felt like two steps back after the the progress that I thought had actually been made. So. From that perspective, I was fairly surprised that they were as bad as they were. But I think you look at it, uh, a few of the players are going to be... I mean, I think Bednarek and Vestergaard were both poor. They, you know, they may have had one eye on the Euros. I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't say that about Prousey because I think, you know, he, he gives kind of every single thing he's got. But if you look at some of the defending, it was just almost non-existent. And then it just didn't it didn't click up front for whatever reason. I think it's just yeah. I, I think what can you say other than that that performance sums up Southampton's 2021. Yeah, that's what I wrote down here. Just what uh, Dan said, Glenn. Create some early chances, not take them. Concede a, a quickfire goal or two. Go into our shells. Game over. Rinse and repeat. It was all rather predictable again, wasn't it? Um, it's pretty much the most predictable defeat of all time. I think you know I really really should have put some money on it. If you'd have, I'm sure if you put some money on two nil and three nil, you'd have um, you'd have you'd have come away with something. Yeah, it was just awful. Um, the fact that they needed something from the game to qualify for the Europa League, and the fact that their fans were in as well, that that made it even more certain that that we were going to lose. Yeah, it was, it was just just awful, really. The, the second half. Yeah, West Ham didn't threaten much in the second half, but that just kept us at arm's length. You know, why why do they need to push forward and get another goal? Because they've they've won the game already. Two horrendous goals conceded in the first half. You know, I mean, McCarthy just shovels it, a half-hit shot straight into the path of the on-rushing striker. But before that, there's three players around Bowen. No one gets close to him, gets a shot away. Second second goal is is an air shot by uh, Mr. Redmond, and then... Vestergaard's ball watching is is just horrible. Let's say second half, West Ham just 
you know, kept us at arm's length and they, they still managed to score again. And, and that is the third goal is remarkable because it was even worse from our point of view than the other two goals. I've never seen anything like that. And that was the uh, the hybrid defence completely breaking down because Bednarek's got to get over and he's too slow, basically. It doesn't work with him in it. It was just just horrible. And um, Investigard only realised there was any danger when the ball was already in the net. Um, so it, it was just 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 garbage. There's nothing more to say about it. Some, some more very strange substitutions. We've had that in the Leeds game. We've we've had it in the West Ham game. Carl Walker Peters coming off was just didn't make any sense whatsoever. You know, I appreciate that managers, all managers, see things differently, and they're a lot closer to the action, and they they obviously see tr- see training every day and all that sort of stuff. But there are some things that just no matter how hard you try, you cannot make sense of. And and I assume Walker Peters must be injured, but the the explanation afterwards was was it took me back to Claude Puel days. It really did. It was just didn't make any sense. Which so it's a a overall it's an absolutely piss poor way to end the season. Agreed, uh, Steve. It's the last part of the season, so I, you know, I almost feel like we should quickly wrap up the West Ham game. But I think it just kind of summed up, didn't it? That's been one of the things that has uh, I know annoyed many fans uh, this year, including ourselves. It's just the fact that you know Saints don't. They don't. They roll over too easily, don't they? When they even even when they sort of perform, sometimes you know they they just seem to give cheap goals away, and you know the other teams don't have to play particularly hard to beat us. It's odd, isn't it, that at many times during this season we've praised the mentality of the players for for the way they've they've dug in in certain circumstances. That Leicester game being prime example. Yeah. And yet there are also so many occasions where literally the slightest thing goes against us and just we just fall to pieces and. So, I mean, I, I'll be I'll be honest. I didn't watch a minute of the game on Sunday. I'd, I I was obviously elsewhere, getting very very drunk. But by the sound of it, it's it's just mirrored mirrored a pattern as as Glenn said that we we started the game reasonably well, missed a couple of chances, and all of a sudden we just fall apart. And I mean, let's face it, we all we all predicted that West Ham would score three because they always score three against us. Um, and they don't they don't even need to be good when when they're scoring um, three against us. So at the moment, they are a good side. So I think it was just kind of just sort of dully predictable. Part, apart from Dan, he went for a 2-1 win, obviously. <laughs> well, yeah, but um, playing, playing for... Play, playing for uh, prediction league um, places with with the with the rogue result, and the problem with finishing the season on such a note means that it kind of that's the last thing that people are going to remember. And of course, Saints have announced um, obviously season ticket renewals have gone on sale today. Um, <laughs> and I mean, you, you can ju- you can just imagine the reaction to it. I mean, I'm sure it was all set up, ready to go, regardless of what happened on Sunday. But it was just. Oh God! Come on, lads, just give us give us a week at least to um, to forget about what happened in that game. I know. Um, I know. Just the just the, the timing and the optics of it all was just like oh, seriously. And then you've got you've obviously got the the padded seat nonsense, which we'll I'm sure we'll, <laughs> I'm sure we'll come into that later. Discuss, discuss shortly. I know, I know. But uh, yeah, Dan, obviously I needed to throw that in there because you said last week that there wasn't another pod, and that's why you've gone for it. But uh, look, um, you know, one positive, and uh, as everyone knows, we always like to find one, don't we? Alongside the return to action of Oriol Romeo was of course. Um, 
James Ward Prowse, Dan. Uh, I know you've written about him a couple of times this season in terms of the the bleep test and things like that, but he became the first midfielder in Premier League history to pay every minute of back-to-back seasons. The only midfielder that's ever done it before, Gary McAllister, but he didn't do that in back-to-back seasons. Just sum up, Dan, because I know you've become quite affectionate towards um, James Ward Prowse and his ability and his energy, and Rouse called him a, a machine before and things like that. How incredible that feat is for a professional footballer to kind of achieve. It is truly, truly remarkable. And the the point I'd make is this season alone, to do it this season, I mean, last season, fine, it was kind of a normal season. They had a three-month break or whatever it turned out to be. But this season, to, to do the, the, the games he's played, it's just phenomenal. And it's not like he's a, a bystander in these games. He is, Ralph will regularly will always say, and it's hard to check these stats, to be fair, but he'll always say Prousey runs more than any of any of anyone else in the team. Prousey always tops that chart. Now, I, I don't have access to those stats. They're, they're obviously club stats. However, if that's true, then it's just, again, it's just a, a remarkable, a remarkable thing. And Gareth Southgate, I'm sure we're going to get onto the England squad, was talking today that, you know, the, the reason he can do that is just simply because of his professionalism. And I did a piece not so long ago on The Athletic talking about some of the stuff that Prousey is doing to, you know, to basically manage this and play every single minute. And one of the best anecdotes I had was at, at Goodison Park, where it would have been freezing cold and where the players were getting changed because of COVID protocols was in a car park. You know, it, it's, three, it's zero degrees, maybe even minus one, minus two. And Prousey walks out the port cabin dressing room in a pair of Speedos and gets in an ice bath. Now, that is just bonkers. But that is why he can do it, because he, he is willing to go to the next, like, you know, he takes it to the next level to recover. It's just, it honestly is a remarkable achievement. And I think, you know, he, he should be tremendously proud of it. I think the club should be tremendously proud of him. And to play every minute is one thing, but to contribute in the way he has done, this season is an even better achievement. Look at the goals he scored, the, the assists. You know, yeah, it was just a truly remarkable season. And, you know, I think the criticism we all we all lay at Prousey's door is that he may not be the most vocal captain on the pitch when you want someone to shout with the players and throw them against the wall. He may not be the character that does it. But what an example he is for the younger players in that team or in the academy coming through they should all be looking at him and thinking right you know he may not be the most technically gifted player at this football club but you know my god look how much effort he puts in every single day to make sure he gets himself on that pitch at the weekend and that I think you know is the biggest tribute we can pay Agreed, Dan. And uh, to be honest, I'm not sure anyone really wants us to carry on talking about West Ham. So why don't we bring up the England thing now? Yeah, obviously, uh, it's been announced today that he's part of the uh, initial squad. Danny Ings has uh, missed out, Dan. Just sort of your brief reaction to that. And then I'll, I'll get Steve's as well, obviously, as an England fan. So Prowsey, I thought Prowsey, I thought he'd get in anyway, simply because of the season he's had. Danny, I didn't think Danny was going to get in to the 26-man squad. And then I heard last night, you know, there were mumblings from conversations I had that it was going to, Gareth was going to name a 33-man squad, but you know, we were unable to, to confirm that number and the FA weren't going to say it at that, at that moment in time. And then I thought, well, actually, do you know what? For a 33-man squad, I think Danny's got a chance. I mean, I, I don't think Danny's had the best season, but he still scored 12 Premier League goals and was still the club's top scorer. And he scored two fewer than Ollie Watkins and played eight eight fewer games. I mean, I know these stats because I've done a column on it for tomorrow. So <laughs> yeah, I've looked at it. And you know, the, the reason Gareth Southgate gave today that well, I was happy with my players in March and I thought they've done well enough since then. Well, Danny Ings has scored more goals than Dominic Calvert-Lewin from that international break to, to now. And 
he scored the same number as, as Watkins. So that I don't buy that. I mean, there were players in March that weren't doing anything. Well, well arguably Patrick Bamford was doing, you know, yeah, well exactly. then, wasn't he? And, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think I think it's I, I really do think it's a bitter pill to swallow for Danny. Now it sounds silly because I don't think he would have gone to the 26, but I think deep down he probably knew that as well. So, I, but to not be in the 33 provisional squad when you know, Gareth's taken two centre-backs that won't play, they're going to get cut, and he's got about a million right-backs. And <laughs> But there's no room for Danny Ings, who arguably is England's second or third best finisher. And the, the saddest thing of all is last season, Danny Ings is going to the Euros. If it was Sorry. last summer, he is going to the Euros, and he is the second-choice striker behind Harry Kane. And you're telling me he's now behind Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Ollie Watkins in the pecking order. I'm not, I'm not having mm-hmm. that. As soon as Mason Greenwood started scoring a couple of goals, I thought Danny's not going to make it. Yeah, and because I think the, Gareth the, has shown so much yeah. loyalty to players over the past. Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't done it to Danny. When, you know, Danny's season has been littered with injuries, where you can all accept that. But he still scored goals that I think other players, maybe apart from Kane, can't score in that England team. And for that reason, he should have been in that provisional squad. Yeah, Steve, just to, to get your view on it briefly as well then, and uh, I suppose second part of the question, Steve, how do you think this kind of leaves his Saints future? Do you think that will make it easier for Saints to keep him, or do you think he'll be now thinking, I need to get away if I want to play for England again? I think I don't think it makes any difference to his um, future prospects, because ultimately he's 28, nearly 29, and I, mean, I don't think there's a player that's in this squad who's 31 years or older. Um, so by the time the World Cup comes round, he's not in the picture for me. Um, it's, only, it's only a year away. Well, yeah, but... Um, I if mean, he scores 15, get... 20 goals next season, he will be. But again, well, he's got to score 15, then, 20 goals, hasn't he? And he's also got to rely on the likes of Watkins, Bamford, uh, Greenwood, Rashford to a lesser extent. And he's got uh, to keep himself fit. Yeah, not scoring 15 goals themselves in in teams that are playing in stronger competitions. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately that's that's probably his, his England career done, um, sadly. I mean, I, I, I kind of, I'm kind of not all that surprised that, that he's been left out of here because ultimately this England setup only plays with one centre forward. And obviously Kane's going to play and, and Kane ludicrously plays 90 minutes regardless of if we're like 7-0 up against somebody. And, I mean, you, his leg basically has to be hanging off for him not to be on the, on the pitch for England. So, realistically, the only time you're going to have a second striker on the pitch is if we're in desperate need of something. And in which case, you're probably going for the person who's going to get on the end of crosses the best. And I think, unfortunately, the best, the best player for that is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Yeah. So... Realistically, why would you take more than two centre forwards when you can have basically all of the various options to play wide and just behind the um, the central striker to give you a, to maximise the various different options and keep the opposition guessing? I think, to be honest, I've I've got no no particular issue with with the way Southgate's selected that part of the squad certainly yeah all right well obviously we wish uh, Prousey all the best if he does make the final uh, cut and hopefully he'll have a, a good Euros um let's come back full circle then just to finish on Saints uh Glenn without mentioning uh, 15 defeats in 21 or anything like that certainly won't do that but uh do you think Ralph has, has learned a lot not much or nothing at all over these sort of last four or five games since we uh, achieved safety uh, ahead of next season um well I hope he's learned that we don't want to sign Minamino 
I hope he's learned that. It, it's kind of hard to tell because he hasn't used the games to experiment. You know, like we haven't seen some of, you know, some of the fringe players like Obafemi. You know, I'd have thought, you know, in, in the normal scheme of things, you may have expected him to play a 90-minute game somewhere just to see, you know, whether whether he's got it. See if it. he could. <laughs> yeah, see if he can. See if he can last 90 minutes. So that that there hasn't been that much experimentation. I mean, we talked about the the sort of hybrid defence thing. That that's born out of not having a left back. So I, I don't see that being a way forward when we've actually got a left back, uh, hopefully next season. So I, d- I don't know. Like I say, some of the sub- some of the substitutions in the last couple of games have been have been somewhat mystifying. You're not going to learn anything by by bringing on you know one of one of your established players in the 70th minute. To me, to me, especially in games where we were behind, it would have done no harm to to have thrown a an Obafemi or an Lundalu onto the pitch just to. Or, or, or dare I say it, Alex Yankovic to see what they were like. But yeah. we, we, you know, we haven't, we haven't done that. Yeah, so where the Yankovic claxon? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so where are, you know, where are we? I, I hope he's learned something from it, but I can't see it. And it goes back to what I said earlier on. I, I, uh, I, I hope there's some method in it, but I, I just don't understand really what's been going on the last My, my only thought with the substitutions and some of the selections, I mean, obviously the Minamino thing, we we suspect it's yeah. a financial it's... consideration, isn't it? Con, con, sort of contractual thing. Um, but with some of the substitutions, I can only think it's a, right, I'm going to give them, give them the rope to hang themselves here. Yeah, maybe so. And then come the end of the season, you say, well, look, I, I gave you more than enough opportunities and you did not take them. So, sorry. Yeah. Time to move on. Quite how we do that with the uh, financial situation. We shall see. Hi, I'm Ricky Lambert, and you are listening to Total Saints Podcast. Okay, as it's the last pod of the season, it means our traditional awards as well. Ahead of the TSP patrons' goal of the season and patrons' player of the season, we've also had our two FPL leagues running. So let's look at the top five finishers for both, starting with the Total Saints Podcast League. In fifth, Bob Brown with Magic Saints 2460. Fourth was Tom McCann with 2463. Third was Chris Ambridge with Ambazinho 2475. Second, Chris Aston Nelson Hotspur. 2524 and first was Lucy Hine at 2577 so congratulations to those five on their expert work this season and thanks to everyone for playing along for the the record us four finished Glenn you were the highest placed out of us four 199th with uh, yeah really? 199th with 2114 <laughs> Steve was uh, 279th with uh, 20, 20 points. Uh, I was 399th with uh, 1823. And unfortunately, Dan, uh, 425th out of 475, I think it was, with 1721. So a lot less expertise there from the four of us. Moving on to our TSP patrons only league, where we also have a nice shiny trophy for the winner. The top five were in fifth, John Fisher, 2230 points. Fourth, Alex Hart, 2241 points. Third was James Taylor with 2275 points. Second, Tom Weston, 2343. And the winner by 120 points, and to be honest, he's been in the lead for weeks and weeks and weeks, was Tom McCann with 2463. So thanks to all our patrons for joining in with that league this season as well. And big congratulations to Tom. Tom, I'll be in touch to sort an address and get the trophy sent down to you, hopefully in one piece. Right, on to our TSP Patron Awards, starting with our TSP Patrons Goal of the Season. Having reflected and reviewed, the six nominations we came up with were number one, Oriol Romeo's Thunderous Volley versus West Brom on the 4th of October. 
Number two was Danny Ings Beauty up at Aston Villa in the 4-3 win on the 1st of November. Number three was Danny Ings again with his wondrous lob versus Liverpool at St Mary's on the 4th of January. Number four, James Ward-Prowse's incredible free kick at Newcastle on the 6th of February. Number five was Shea Adams' sumptuous half volley against Sheffield United on the 6th of March at Bramall Lane. And number six was Nathan Redmond's first goal at Bournemouth in the FA Cup, which left Steve Cook fat on his backside as the ball sailed in on the 20th of March. Steve, just before I announce the winners, any of those stick out for you before we uh, get to the top three? I liked... Adams is one away at Sheffield United just for the sort of purity of the hit, if you like. I, th- I think you could kind of replicate that in training sort of 50 times and probably only get it spot on once or twice as a even as a top level player. But I think I think Redmond's one was probably probably the, the best and also the most infuriating um, because we know that he's capable of it. And yet we've seen it so infrequently. And it it kind of had a bit of everything. There was pace, there was dribbling, there was beating a man. And there was pinging it in the top corner, and it, as as well as um, Steve Steve Cook falling flat on his face, um, which is always an entertaining viewing. But yeah, it's, it's, I think I think that one probably just shades it mm. for me. As you say, he's much better at uh, doing that sort of thing than he is standing with his uh, hands on his hips. Anyway, the top three, as voted for by our TSP patrons, were as follows: third place was Oriol Romeo's strike versus West Brom with 22% of the vote. Second place was Shea Adams' winner at Bramall Lane with 28%. I have to say, that was a personal favourite of mine, so that's the one I would have voted for. But first place, of course, it was Danny Ings' lob against Liverpool, which took Ralph to his knees at full-time, 33% of the vote. Danny Ings is the TSP patron's goal of the season winner. Congratulations to him. I think that's the second season in a row he's won that. Okay, to finish up the TSP patron's player of the season, the nominations were in alphabetical order, Danny Ings, Carl Walker-Peters, James Ward-Prowse, Yannick Vestergaard and Stuart Armstrong. Again, before we announce the winner, which of those five players stood out for you this season? Uh, why, Dan? For me, it was Prowsey for kind of the reasons I've already mentioned. Up until about 10 days ago, I was Kyle Walker-Peters all the way because I think when you have, when it's kind of neck and neck like that in my own mind, I think, well, you always go for, don't go for the, don't go for the obvious one, go for the one that you know, not many people may expect. So that's why I always kind of went with Kyle. But then when I sat back, looked at what Prousey's done. And I think because Kyle had that period where he wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't at his best for maybe four or five weeks and, and made a couple of errors and looked like the injuries earlier in the year had caught up with him a little bit. I thought, you know, just for his consistency, for what he's brought to the team, that, you know, the memorable match against Aston Villa, performances like that, I, I, I had to give it to Prousey in the end. Fair enough. And uh, Glenn, Danny Ings, Carl Walker-Peters, James Ward-Prowse, Yannick Vestergaard, Stuart Armstrong. Who gets the uh, Glenn de la Cour vote? Stuart Armstrong. Yeah. Um, I just, in a, in, in a sea of mediocrity uh, at the tail end of the season, he's he's just proved what a good player he is for me. Just a very intelligent footballer, both in terms of his football ability and just general all-round everything about him, really. What I like most about him is that I feel like he's got an end product when he's got the ball in the in the final third I feel like there's a there's a better chance than than with any of the other players of there being a decent cross or a shot on goal I I also like the fact he he proved me wrong completely this season when we when we got the um the complete hammering up at Man United I I sort of said I I can't see him playing as a central midfielder because he got put there once the the red card happened that's right um and he has absolutely proved that he can play there in the in the last 10 games he's been excellent in there and it's been a really good partnership with um with James Ward-Prowse we do need him further forward but I think he's proved that it's it's certainly an option for next year should 
Romeo be missing or should tactically we, you know, feel that that's uh, that's the way to go in some games or at the end of some games. Um, he's got the magnificent hair, obviously, which um, which, which we have to mention. But um, no, I, I I think he's I think he's had a had a tremendous season and he it just seems to be getting better and uh, it, you know hopefully he carries that on until um, carries that on uh, next year. Hopefully he has a good tournament for Scotland as well and um, comes back in the you know in the in the summer and uh, is ready to go again. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I'd, I'd go for Stuart Armstrong. I, I voted for Prowse on the. Uh, club awards but I have to say I think I tweeted about it and got a bit of stick because I said it was quite close for my own personal opinion but I've really enjoyed watching Stuart Armstrong this season it always feels like when he clicks we click and I think just uh, you know his uh, silky skills and his energy and things like that as well so uh, obviously I know who's won but uh, Stuart Armstrong's who I would have gone for and just finally Steve I'm pretty sure you wear uh, Carl Walker Peter pajamas don't you? Yes <laughs> um, yeah although um, he's he's actually he's Fair bit small, fair bit shorter than me, and I'm not particularly tall, um, so I'm not sure they'd necessarily fit me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, for me, I think mainly just because he's been so important in that position, um, the, the system, the very well, the kind of two or three varying systems we played this season have been so reliant on on our fullbacks and particularly um, on his side for various reasons. And he's just such a huge upgrade over anybody else that we've got at the moment, um, and over anybody we've had in the last sort of two or three years really and i think yeah i mean it's, it's one one of those um bits of business that's that they've definitely got absolutely right over the last last couple of years and um that's certainly um in fairly fairly rare company <laughs> it is it is uh, all right well the uh, top three as voted for by our patrons were third place steve's favorite player carl walker peters with 19 percent second was james ward prouse in 28 uh, percent and the TSP patrons player of the season with 53% of the vote actually was the Scottish Messi Stuart Armstrong which I felt uh, was a nice touch because it means Prousey won the uh, club award and then uh, Stuart's won this one which is obviously the one that uh, matters but congratulations to Stuart thanks to all of our patrons for their votes and uh, I think alongside uh, James Ward Prouse a very worthy winner is the Total Saints podcast, proudly underpinned by our TSP patrons. To finish up for 2020-21, let's get the uh, guys' thoughts on the season for Saints as well as uh, uh, get a, a school-like grade on uh, what they've made of it all. Um, Steve, we don't necessarily need a blow-by-blow, blow, but reflections on the season as a whole? Well, it's, it's been, been the kind of game of, well, not game of two halves, obviously a season of two halves, in that we were excellent up until basically we beat the champions and suddenly stopped playing football. I mean, obviously getting, what, half our squad injured at the same time didn't help. Some slightly weird tactical issues that seemingly everybody could see apart from the guy whose job it was to see it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of felt a little bit of an anticlimactic finish to the season when... Probably around Christmas time, Bookie's odds would probably have put us in with a pretty good shout of um, of Europa League or Europa Conference League football next season. Um, so from from that perspective, to have to have finished as far off the pace as we have done is really disappointing. And it's kind of the opposite effect of what we had at the end of last season, where we built up a lot of momentum in in Project Restart, and everyone was kind of um, positive ahead of the start of the season. This summer is going to be the going to be the opposite. Everyone's going to be slightly worried. Are we going to keep hold of the relatively few saleable assets we have? Are we going to be able to sign the players that we need to fill some very very obvious 
um, holes, um, not just in the first team, but in in the squad as as a as a whole, because we we were clearly found out in terms of depth and uh, fitness and fatigue at, at the um, at the back end of the season. Financially, are we going to be able to compete with teams on a similar level? Teams like um, I mean, teams like Crystal Palace, who have got huge sort of overhaul to come in the summer. Obviously, new new manager definitely coming in. Um, Eleven players out of contract, I think, but. Yeah, so we're so we're going to be competing with with teams on on that level who have a, have a much greater sense of urgency, I, I suspect. And I mean, let's face it, it's pretty it's pretty disappointing that we finished below both Palace and Newcastle, who for large swathes of this season have been kind of bracketed in the oh they're having a bad season, aren't they? Um, group, and yet somehow um, Newcastle finished twelfth, Palace have finished thirteenth. It's like well. How how the hell how the hell have we we managed to be worse than those guys? Yeah, and if you had to give it a, a grade overall, like a, a good school teacher or something, Steve, that's somewhere between A for amazing and E for excruciating. What would you give it? It's probably a C minus. Must do better. Yeah, C minus must do better. I think you make a good teacher, wouldn't you? But uh, yeah, Dan, I mean, you've been able to to watch most of it as you were mentioning earlier in uh, person. Certainly the the games at St Mary's. How how have you tested it, Dan? Disappointing in the end, or steps forward in places, or a bit of both? I think the only way you can look at it in the end is, is disappointing because of how well how well they started, which perhaps when you look back now maybe maybe didn't help them or help the club because all of a sudden they went from you know it'd be, it'd be great if we kind of finished tenth or something to to blimey we can maybe finish in Europa League spot and the expectations went up and I think where they finished I think once you get to the end of a, a 38. You know, game league. It's the the table doesn't lie, as Ralph said to me the other day, and it's hard not to feel a little bit underwhelmed. Feeling 15th last season certainly at times felt worse than this year because of the the poor start, and they still managed to finish 11th because of obviously Project Restart helped massively, where they had that really good run of games. But in terms of this season, it's it's just been, you know, from where they were in kind of November. Uh, well, even January the 4th when they beat Liverpool 1-0 and you know, so we all saw how emotional Ralph got. I mean, had we all known that was where the season peaked, I think we all would have gone home. <laughs> I think the, you know, and it's just, it, it's a real shame to see see how it how it panned out. And I think the biggest takeaway I have is that I think when it's good, it seems to be really good with Ralph uh, and the players. And when it's bad... It is bloody bad. There isn't really an in-between. It's, it's, I, I'm not I sure that's just Ralph Dan. I think that's life as a Saints fan, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. Not just Ralph, but, you know, it's that kind of... There's no sort of, oh, this is all right. Yeah. It's either, there's no medium is ground, is there? This, yeah. No, and I think that, that's that been a, a learning curve for, for myself, and it's, it's just been, a, yeah, ultimately a, a disappointment, but I think there have been enough signs that... Yeah, Ralph is still capable of taking this team forward. As Steve said, recruitment's going to be important this summer. How you replace Ryan Bertrand? Will Danny Ying stay? Is Yannick Vestergaard going to go? Um, what do you do with the goalkeepers? Because you can't keep on changing them every single week. I, I think that's utter nonsense. Yeah, I think you have one goalkeeper and you stick with him. And if he's crap after 18 games, yeah, OK, change it. Don't change it every two weeks. So they've got all of those questions to answer throughout the summer um, going into next season. And as again, as Steve said, at the start of last season and now, I guess, there was so much 
positivity and optimism and then they, then they lost their first three games including like 5-2 against Spurs or whatever it was and then they kicked on but this summer it doesn't feel like all the optimism all the optimism has gone so they've got to win win that back by getting some players in early doors preferably before Ralph reports for pre-season you know you don't want to be signing players again on sort of on deadline day unless it's a kind of Theo, Wal- Theo Walcott deal where you know you're signing someone with experience anyway. So yeah, ultimately a, a disappointment, but enough signs throughout to think that, you know, that they're still on the cusp of maybe two or three moves away from getting it spot on. But obviously making those moves is easier said than done. Yeah, you you getting any better than C minus? It sounds like a C minus to me. I'll give them a C, <laughs> which is between hey. a C minus and a C plus. <laughs> Good stuff, right? And uh, Glenn, when we all sort of took a breather halfway through the season, we all felt fairly realistic that even if Saints had a really, really bad run, I think we all sort of agreed that they'd finish about 12th, which is obviously, uh, I know the, the the club talk about the 7th to 12th, don't they? And to be fair to them, they were two points off of 12th in the end, but let's be realistic, they were 12 points off of uh, 11th, so um, you know, a long, long way away from that. Obviously, the 13 defeats and 17 didn't help, but have you seen any shoots of optimism this season or not? Um, yeah. Yeah, there have been some. It's it's a difficult season to analyse because it's very easy to say, okay, first half good, second half bad, and and your view of how things have gone is largely shaped by the second half of the season. If you kind of, I mean, just imagine you swap the two halves of the season round, same number of points, and we'd be going into it quite optimistic next season because, you know, we've had a good a good last 15 games or whatever. But we'd have been panicking um, over Christmas because we had about five points. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. we'd, we'd have ended, ended the season top <laughs> exactly. of the league and stopped or, the clock, yeah. Or, or equally, you, you know, you, you spread the results out over the season. So, you know, looking at the season of a, as a whole, it's been okay, but it should have been a lot better than it was. And, and I think the, uh, the thing Steve said earlier on about finishing below Newcastle and Crystal Palace, who, I mean, let's be honest, they're pretty poor those teams and that the general narrative about those teams is that they're sort of poor dull and their managers are kind of dull as well and and our manager seems to still have a lot of supporters all over the the sort of like wider media which is which is an interesting one you know there, there needs to be a lot of improvement next season obviously otherwise you know if we if we carry on like we did the second half of this season we're going to be next year Sheffield United um that that's that's the worry um and it's yeah as as the guys were said recruitment is key and we can't make mistakes. I mean, the reason we're in the mess we're in is because at the end of the Les Reed Ross Wilson era, we made a load of mistakes and we signed, you know, I mean, we all know the names of 80 million quids worth of players who have provided no benefit. And, and a club like Saints with the financial parameters that we've got, we can't afford to do that. And it's it's still costing us to this day. And, you know, we're talking, you know, some of the players are in their last year, next year. So. But, you know, with money is still going to be tight. Obviously, with the pandemic, we know it's going to be tight. So we have to get it right. And uh, I wish I shared the the optimism about, um, you know, finding suitable players for the uh, eight to ten million, you know, range. Yeah, I don't know. We could buy a few more cushions for the kids and stand with that. <laughs> uh, you know, same you know, old shit, but it is a cushion. Uh, <laughs> Like, yeah. And yeah, it's going to cost you 250 quid exactly, more. Exactly. Yeah. I feel, I feel like Frankie Boyle on Mock the Week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell her this joke and then wonder if it's going to make the <laughs> It'll make the cut, I'm uh, sure it will, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, there yeah. you go. Uh, yeah. But, sorry, the rest of the season, rest of the season um, it's, it's obviously been the season of VAR. It's been shocking. Um, we seem to have had, had not had a particularly uh, 
good shake of the stick with yeah. that. But um, we've got our first dedicated VAR official now in Lee Mason, so that's a uh, positive sign. That's good. That's good. <laughs> and oh, and what, what a success you've made of it so far. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I believe we miss, you know, at boardroom level and management level, we misread the toughness of how this season was going to be. The fullback shambles around Christmas and, the, you know, the January transfer window wasn't great. But um, the thing I take from this season personally is as a match going fan mm. it, it's been really kind of unmemorable mm. all the games kind of bleed into one yep. because there's no sort of experience of, of being at the ground or and being able to sort of like remember something specific about yeah, there's no personal know, context is no, there? no none, none at all it's just another game sat in front of the same TV and it's it's that's one of the reasons why I'm just glad it's finished and uh, you know I enjoyed uh I got. I went to the Leeds game a few weeks, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Even though, even though we lost, it was. Um, and that performance, actually, when you look back, it, it wasn't as bad as some of the other ones have been. All right, we got beat two nil, but we did at least have a little flurry at the end while it was still one nil, and uh, looked like we may, given a fair shake, have uh, have got a point out of it. But uh, it was nice being back in the ground, and hopefully that's a, you know, that's a sign of uh, of better things to come next season. So, I think just to pick up on a point. Glenn said there about that they missed the, the from boardroom to bootroom they misread that this season I don't think I don't think they did but what I think did happen is they took their eye off the ball and that cost them dear when you look at it now I mean they that after such a, a good start it was oh actually I think we're going to be all right you know without remembering that yeah. actually beyond the eleven our players aren't very good and the minute you have two or three or four injuries to that first team it, it just killed that squad it killed the team it killed the momentum yeah. and they they should have seen that coming but they didn't in my opinion because of the, the really good start they had that papered over the cracks and allowed maybe the minute one person gets complacent at an organization like that the next person does and hopefully they've learned that lesson that you just cannot take your eye off the ball yeah, in the way that they did from a fitness level a, a medical level with Ralph with making some of the decisions was it really the, the most clever thing to do to to play Kyle Walker-Peters like three days after you know he's just returned from injury and he may say well I had no options but why didn't you have any options because you got rid of your right back in January so there's you know I think there is that and that has to be for them the biggest learning curve this year is do not take your eye off the ball because we have you know six or seven good results in a row and you know, if they haven't learned from that, then next season's going to be problematic again. Taking an eye off the ball was why we ended up with all the crap players that I was talking about earlier on, because, you know, Les Reed started believing his own hype, didn't he? You know, and we, we lost Toby Aldevaro, we signed Virgil van Dijk. Hey, I'm a genius. I can I can do this all day long. And then, then it started to go wrong. And there's, there's a reason why we've ended up with some of these players for four years, five years. No one wants them. And Yeah, but from a financial point of view, I can understand that they are still having an impact. But, you know, those players aren't around the club. So those players aren't the reason Southampton lost, what was it, 13 games in 17? It's not well, they signed Wesley Who. I'm sorry, I'm not having that. Wesley Who's been on loan for the last two years. Yeah, but they're still yeah. paying him. You know, what's he got him. to do with Southampton losing 13 games? Nothing, but maybe it, if exactly. we hadn't bought him, we'd add some more money to buy another player who maybe wouldn't be a complete waste of space. But they did buy could, him. Could have kept the um, um, experienced Uruguay international defender that we already had on the books. Martin Caceres. Yes, mm. there we go. Well, let's uh, let's try and wrap it up before you. Oh, we don't have any fisticuffs on the last podcast, jeez. Um, but uh, um, Glenn, come on, you, you you strike me as a harsh. I mean, you'd, I I would don't think I'd want to be in your class at school. So I, I dread to think where this rating's going. But uh, what do you reckon? Well, 
I'm, I'm going to split the season in half. I mean, if we did this at Christmas, you'd, you'd be giving it an A minus or a B plus, mm-hmm. wouldn't yeah. you? And and the second half, you'd be giving it an E. Yeah. So it all it all kind of averages out. So yeah, I'll go for the C minus as well. Perfect. All right, good stuff. Well, uh, we ran a poll on Twitter asking the same question of our followers: How would you assess the season as a whole? Thanks to everyone who voted. Um, it uh, unfortunately we were only allowed four options, so I ruled out A for amazing because I didn't think that would uh, get very far. But we had B for brilliant, which got 0%; C for commendable, 2%; D for disappointing, with 72% was the highest; and E for excruciating, 26%. So uh, as I say, thanks to everyone that voted for that. Just very very quickly then, guys, because uh, I'm conscious of time and everyone's probably uh, finished their run now or something like that but Dan if you had to pick one highlight just in a couple of sentences from this season one memorable moment that sticks out for you what would it be oh I'm, I'm split the the Liverpool game or the Aston Villa game for their, its bonkers nature and the goals that went in so yeah I'm going to go Aston Villa because that one was just absolutely Crazy, nuts wasn't it? which Villa game because the home game was bonkers yeah. for a very different we're going reason. with the 4-3 the, the away one <laughs> yeah the good away stuff alright Steve what about you difficult to look beyond the uh, Newcastle game when we went top really because I mean we just we just kind of looked so comfortable with the situation at that point um, how little did we know <laughs> excellent Glenn um, I'd pick that Villa away game as well because back then um, I felt like we could go to any away game and win and when we went into a 4-0 lead, scoring some brilliant goals along the way and having one disallowed for nothing, it just seemed like everything was going in the right direction. And that Villa game kind of sums up the season because we, you know, we then proceeded to hang on at the end. three goals <laughs> and just about got away with it, which kind of sums up the whole season. You know, great, great first half, average second half, just about got away with it. And the, I mean, the other highlight for me is the, the young players that have come through. Uh, I'm thinking Nathan Teller. Looks like Yankovic. he's going to be a bit. Yeah, I don't think we'll yeah. see him again. Yeah, uh, he's going to tear up the yeah. uh, Eredivisie. Yeah, if Steve, if Steve yeah, wears Carl Walker Peter pajamas, Glenn definitely wears Alex Yankovic pajamas, I reckon. So absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. No, I was going to say um, Mohamed Salisu. I think yeah. looks like yeah, he's going to be. A, he's he's going to be a player. Be right good. Absolutely, no. and um, I hope he's a. A regular in a standard back four next mm. season. Good stuff. Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with any of those. Probably just to chuck something different in there, then I'd say maybe that Friday night at home to Leicester, down to 10 men again, and the sort of fight and determination they showed to uh, hang on for a draw. Ironically, of course, Leicester missed out on Champions League by one point, so if they'd beaten us that night, they would have got it. So uh, I think that was a, a good one, bearing in mind Sky commentators being against us and uh, Sky setting out nicely for the Friday night. So I'd probably pick that out alongside the ones you guys mentioned as my memorable moment of the season. Um, Dan, final questions then of the pod for this season if you had to pick one on or off field requirement that Saints really need to make sure they get right this summer and I did give uh, the guys the heads up on this for everyone listening just so I don't catch them off guard what would you go with uh, a takeover yeah good someone asked me about yeah, that and they, they wanted your insight so do you think it will happen or not well, I, I don't think they're at a stage yet where anything is kind of imminent I still I think it's kind of perhaps you know, stagnated a little bit you still got some very interested parties, but these things can take take time. Look around the Premier League. There are so many clubs open to investment, but you know, selling a football club doesn't happen overnight. Um, so my hope for the summer is that a buyer, well, there are there are buyers at the table that they, you know, they find the right one, they move forward, and they just give this club a, a new lease of life going in to into the new season. That that's my hope. And um, that's my main hope for the for the summer. Yeah, new new owners. Good stuff. I think uh, many would echo that. Steve, your thoughts? Getting a Danny Ings to sign a new contract, sorting the fullback positions, nailing preseason fitness, or 
trying to coin in as much as you can from £999 padded seats. What's your uh, most important action for the club this summer? A little from all of those. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, getting, getting Ings to sign would be a... I mean, I hate I hate the term, but a statement of intent, if you like. <laughs> yeah, good, good cliche. Yeah, I mean, it's a horrible cliche, and it doesn't really work in our situation, I don't think, because let's face it, the intent has been there for a year. The the contract offer has been on the table for a year, so the intent has always been there. Um, it's just a case of actually getting him to um, to actually put pen to paper. Um, and I don't know, I'm I'm kind of leaning probably sixty forty. In in the yes direction yeah. that it'll happen. That's quite optimistic for you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, vaguely, I think so. I mean, it's one of those. I mean, you're never confident until it's actually signed, are you? Because let's face it. I mean, I mean, we mentioned it um, just now, but everyone everyone assumed we had a watertight contract with Toby Alderweire, and that didn't quite end up the way we thought it was going to, did it? So yeah, I mean. <sighs> Wait until wait until the official announcement, I guess. But uh, if there is one, but yeah, I, I think that's the that's the priority, and that then will prob- could then trigger off a, a whole host of other um, related problems being solved. I suspect. Yeah. All right, good stuff. And last but not least, the final word to the 2020-21 uh, TSP prediction league champion, Glenn. If you're uh, in Martin Simmons' boots this summer, what's at the uh, top of your must-do list? Left back. We've got a glaring, glaring hole there. We have to recruit a player who is ready to play for the first team. It's, it, you know, it can't really be a, a hit and miss. We don't really know anything about him. Player, it's, it has to be a player who's ready to come in and and do a job, and do a better job than Ryan Bertrand did this year. So that it, it's all about recruitment for me. And just generally, we, you know, the squad. There's a lot of squad of sorting out needed in the squad. You know, we haven't, as far as I can tell, even though Shane Long is coming back, we haven't got a, we haven't got a striker to back up the two that we've currently got. Whenever one of Ings or Adams isn't available, there's a massive drop off. So you know, we need something there. But yeah, the, the yeah, I mean, you mentioned it already, the Ings and Vestergaard futures, but uh, I'm uh, I'm more concerned about the, the the immediate problem of having a rather uh, large gaping hole at left back at the moment. Good stuff. All right. Well, as always, thanks for all your thoughts and opinions, guys. Let's see if any of those uh, come true or not. You're listening to the Total Saints podcast. Going to the heart of all things Saints FC. Well, that's it for Total Saints podcast season 2020-21. Thank you to all of you who've been with us this season, be you a long-term listener or even if this is your first episode. It's been a typically rollercoaster season for Saints, but would we have it any other way? Ideally, yes, we would. Looking back on TSP through 2020-21... We celebrated being top of the league and briefly stopped the count. We beat the then champions at St Mary's, a win that brought lots of emotion, cheers and tears. We witnessed the return of Theo Walcott and can now look forward to two more years of his passion and leadership at the club on and off the pitch. Excitedly saw the rise to prominence of Nathan Teller, a 21-year-old who already looks to have shown glimpses of a very bright future at our club. We enjoyed a fantastic yet ultimately frustrating FA Cup run. Speaking of cut runs, we had the privilege to celebrate our 150th episode by speaking to the man that led Saints all the way to FA Cup champions in 1976, Laurie McMenemy. Despite a memorable power cut the first time around, sorry again about that Laurie, hearing the incredible stories and memories from Southampton's most successful ever manager was a once in a lifetime opportunity for Glenn and I. Similarly, we were grateful to a modern hero for also coming on the pod and sharing his beetroot factory to Wembley glory journey, a hero of mine forever, 
Ricky Lambert. Speaking to Ricky was something I'll always treasure, as I will listening back to the recording during the years to come. While one of our monthly features didn't necessarily go as we'd hoped at the outset, our International Supporters Club very much did. It was a joy to undertake, to be honest. Eight different countries, five different continents, and over 30,000 virtual miles travelled. It was great to connect with those Saints fans, hear their stories, and make sure they understand just how much they and their local supporters clubs are valued as part of the Saints family. Thanks once more to Trevor for all his support with that feature. Speaking on global terms, that leads me nicely on to our TSP patrons. While so many of you were keen for TSP to continue last summer, which we remain incredibly grateful for, it was you TSP patrons out there who put your hands in your pockets during a pandemic as well to enable the pod to truly carry on. Patrons, from all of us here, thank you. Your support has been so loyal and amazing. Without you, none of this would have been possible during 2020-21. Hopefully you'll still be keen to continue our journey together next season. Maybe even one or two new patrons might sign up as well. It's been great to see and speak with so many of you at the monthly TSP VIP events. Like Dan, Steve and Glenn, I've really enjoyed them. Hopefully you have too. Speaking of the chaps, obviously we all have to say a massive thank you to them as well. Giving up their time for free to give passionate views, reaction and very occasionally a darn good moan as well. To Dan in particular for his expert knowledge and valuable insight. Subject to change, all three of the chaps will remain on TSP for 2021-22, which is fantastic news. Testament to how much you all listen to them and the questions and feedback you provide. Also, I have to thank Alex from Audio Coast, who's been editing the pod week in, week out since last August. Along with saving me three or four hours on a Sunday night, Alex has done a superb job while also offering fantastic advice along the way. Alex, thank you again, and apologies for all my silly technical questions throughout the season. I'd also like to thank all the guys and girls on the various Saints forums who've listened to the podcast this season and interacted with our posts, notably Not606, Reddit, and of course, Saints Web. Hopefully I've not missed anything or anyone else out. If so, thank you to you as well. To finish up, we're already working through some ideas and plans for next season, which as ever will no doubt be another roller coaster. Maybe it's time to freshen TSP up a little. For the current host, for example, to take more of a back seat and simultaneously spend more time with his young family. Maybe indeed. For now, enjoy your summer. Football at club level will be back before we know it. Thanks again for making Total Saints podcast your regular listen and making this season such a successful one. Catch you all in 2021-22. Until then, keep marching in. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.